on today's episode of Senior Quotes, guess what? We're back, better than ever, year 2020, and even more Senior Quotes. We got some NFL talks, some post-college football championship, and the Burrow himself. Um, a lot more to get at. Let's go. chance I'm gonna have to make that joke but here we are back after about a month off winter break is over and we are back in the studio so I'm Aiden Broderick my co-host to my right Jack Coleman we are back finally to talk sports once again and bring you some new senior quotes content so Jack talk to me how excited are you to be back I'm so excited and even more excited that we can stop doing 2020 jokes <laughs> and being the new year but it's good to be back There's been so much going on in sports, and I'm just ready to get into it, delve into it, and bring you all the hottest of takes, the hottest of hosts, and the hottest of Bachelor Talk, too, because it's Bachelor Mm. season, so that's coming up at the end. Stay tuned. Yes, but first, we'll have the usual format to the show. You know, we're we're not going to have any other special segments, just the usual three quotes each from us each. Jack, I know you like to explain how the show works. Do you want to talk about that real quick yeah so basically same format as always so we each come in with three quotes the other guy has to guess who it's about or who said it or some component of that right and you get a half point right for each of those whoever has the most points at the end wins and uh we'll get into that in a second but before we do there's some other news going on i know aiden will probably get into some of it with one of his quotes But outside of that, here at BC, um, there's been some movings. But in college football on the whole, there's been some news that came out today about Penn State football and some Mm -hmm. alleged hazing allegations, you know, tying back to some of the Jerry Sandusky stuff that went on. Yeah. And it's absolutely terrible. Agreed. Uh, More news is probably going to be breaking on that in the upcoming days. And we'll have a better idea of what really went down. Uh, but it, it's tough because you see a program like that that took so long to find themselves and regain composure and right. really bounce back to be one of the top teams. Then we saw that with them, with Saquon even kind of bringing them back to the household name of the Nittany Lions that they once were. And I believe this year they were one of like the most decorated universities in terms of sporting programs because their basketball had been ranked, football was ranked pretty high. A uh, bunch of other sports there, too, were like nationally ranked. So for this to come out is just a real low blow for such a school that was really trying to recover and bounce back. Yeah, so do you think that ha- – is, is there a link between, you know, what happened in the Sandusky st- uh, scandal, excuse me, and what's happening now with James Franklin, a completely new head coach, you know, and hazing going on where he's even been named in the lawsuit about that? Is there something to do with the – like overlying culture or do you think it's just a coincidence what what was your takeaway well i but first of all i don't know if you know some of these kids went through the sandusky camp no i mean I think now i think it's out of it right yeah, definitely so i don't know i think it could stem partly from some of these guys let's say they're seniors now in the four years maybe there was always there had always been a repeating culture of some kind of hazing or whether that started with Sandusky and worked its way down through the players. Maybe we're just seeing the last remnants of this with the seniors this year um, trying to, I don't know, carry on that tradition that really shouldn't be a tradition. Mm. I can't see it not stemming from someplace. It has to, And to not understand the harsh reality of saying that you will Sandusky someone is, (laughs) you know, just crazy to me. But it, it... this is like anything else. It's like any other bullying or anything else that goes on in the world. It stems from some other personal problem. So if these guys were hazed this way from the seniors when they were freshmen and those seniors were hazed this way from the seniors when they were freshmen and those seniors somehow had been at Sandusky's camp or something, it, it all stems back. It's just rough to see that the impact of a guy like Sandusky 
is still, you know, being having repercussions even this day and age, uh, you know, however many years later. So it's disappointing to hear, for sure. Totally. I mean, I don't think there's much more to be said about that other than hopefully this is the last time we see anything scandalous coming from Penn State's football program or athletics in general because, like you said, the basketball team had been ranked recently. I think their hockey team was ranked recently. Yeah. They've had a great start to this year, and then all of a sudden it just gets struck down by this report, this this I mean, this case. You know? like this, I, I think because it came from the football program, uh, first of all, that's why it's as big a deal as it is because of the implications, but... The fact that it comes from football makes me think that there are some ties to Sandusky here to some extent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like the basketball team hazing kids saying, like, we'll Sandusky you because that's the school image. No. Like, I think that this has to do with some other repercussions off Sandusky. But yeah. on a brighter note, I had a real-life hot take that <laughs> I witnessed today come true. Okay. So I haven't really stated it on the show. But kind of a hot take in its own right. I'm team anti-Molly, the dog that has been on campus. Okay. And I will proudly say team anti-Molly. For those of you that aren't at BC or just tuning in listening, Molly was this adorable uh, golden retriever Mm -hmm. puppy. Mm -hmm. Getting a little older now. Getting a little older now. But that was, you know, flocked around. People fawned over this thing all over campus, would stop and pet it and take pictures. And I don't know, her owner was just kind of a creep, I think. And I said that after Christmas break, Molly was going to be kind of bigger and it would not, the dog, Molly, she would not be receiving as much attention when we came back. And I think that would mess her up a lot. So today, I saw Molly walking around a lot bigger, not as cute. And maybe, like, one person stopping out of all these people just kind of walking by, just seeing her as a normal dog. And I totally think inside she's having a real identity crisis. Uh, But there you go. Hot take in real life proven. Tried to warn (laughs) you about Molly. I I stand team anti-Molly, which is kind of rough because I'm a huge dog person. But team (laughs) anti-Molly on this one. All right. Instead of taking my own stance, I will get into my first quote, which is a (laughs) brighter note of college football. So we're going to start with that. You know, that's kind of where we're at right now. So we're going to be tough. We're going to walk tough. We're going to look tough. We're going to play tough. That's who we're going to be. Tell me who said it and what that's about. Um, well, I guess this was like before the game. This actually has nothing to do with any games recently. It's oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a, a nice yeah, little yeah, hint. Yeah. No, I got Welcome you. back. Yep, you know? yep. It's uh, BC's new coach. I actually knew that quote, too. <laughs> Jeff Halfley, who was the defensive coordinator at the Ohio State. Exactly. Now at the Boston College. Let's go. And you got to be pumped about this one. I want to hear what you got. Yeah, I mean... Okay, I've got a lot because, and I, I know what you have common later in the show, not specifically, but I do know you don't have any Boston College content. So no. I'm gonna we link, can air it out. I'm gonna link two stories together. I'm gonna link the Jeff Halfley hire from a month ago, and new reports that Phil Jerkovic, transfer quarterback from Notre Dame, is coming in and potentially getting a waiver to play next season. He will have three years of eligibility if that happens too. If he doesn't, regardless, we are bringing in a guy who was a top 100 prospect coming out of high school. Offers not just from Notre Dame, but Alabama, Clemson, you name it, these amazing schools. And now he's going to be on the heights. So you have Halfley, who is an incredible recruiter. We're seeing it already. And he hasn't even had, he hasn't even had more than a month to any time to talk to new recruits. He's only talking to transfer students. And we might even bring Tariq Black from rival... Ohio State School, Michigan, to be a wide receiver on this team. So that that is incredible. And while, yes, some players are going to transfer out, we're already seeing the power of a great recruiting coach with a great reputation coming from Ohio State where they can win games and not Temple, which is where Steve Adazio came from. Different coaches altogether. We're already seeing the impact, and we still haven't seen Halfley coach the team on the field yet. So that has me excited. Jerkovic has me super excited. And the fact that Halfley is a defensive-minded coach really has me excited because I know we have weapons on this team, even with A.J. Dillon, Anthony Brown, and Kobe White all expected to be either in the NFL or on another team in, in the NCAA next year. So with all that being said, we might not even have to wait a year 
to see Halfley's impact on this team. And I was expecting a rebuilding, you know, three and nine season, no bowl. At the least, now I could see six and six, seven and five squeak into a bowl game. Or better, if we see more development come from this team, which is what I really expect with Halfley's defensive prowess. So I am excited. Yeah, and you should be, because first of all, we saw in the national championship last night the other ACC team, Clemson, who was the national champions last year. But if you look at the ACC, everyone talks about the week scheduling and the week games that they have to play. Well, you know what? Now it's time for us as a team to step up and be the team to compete against Clemson. And I think we can get to that point. Even next year, I think that we can get 9, 10 wins even under Halfley. Because say what you want about Adazio, Mm -hmm. but the one thing that held true for most of his career here was that everyone would say, oh, but his recruiting is recruiting. Well, you know what? Halfley, in just two moves, essentially, has already done a much better recruiting job than Steve Adazio ever could have done Mm -hmm. by snagging a Notre Dame quarterback as well as a Michigan wide receiver, most likely. It's 100% on 24-7. Right. So I'm assuming because of how Phil Jerkovich went down and he had 100%, that he's also going to be on his way. And you know what? That's incredible. If I'm Kobe yeah. White, I'm seriously reconsidering going to that transfer portal because Phil Jerkovic is going to be very good. Yeah. He hasn't had the time in Notre Dame. Notre Dame's a different program altogether, and they had a guy like Ian Book who we were able to see live who, yes, that dude can very much likely be an NFL quarterback at some point in his life. Phil Jerkovic, maybe not that level, but that's not what we need. You know, We just need a guy that's going to be a good college quarterback, and we haven't had that in years Honestly, really, since Matt Ryan, and a lot of people are comparing Phil to Matt Ryan. Yeah. So I really think that this is the big turnaround. And you're right, defensively, Halfley's a def- uh, defensive-minded coach. If we can, we had good recruits coming in. If we can turn this team and build this team up and really get them going on defense, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to see a lot of guys come to their full potential that Adazio had seen. It's not a full giving up of the Adazio squad that was built. Right. As you know, some people may have been worried when they started hearing about transfer reports. No, we're cutting out the ones that don't want to be here. And Halfley stated perfectly, he said, if you don't want in, get out. We're all in. And I think he's going to be an incredible hire. I think this is really going to be huge for BC. And I think we're giving Clemson a run for their money in mm-hmm. two years seems like a stretch. But three years, yeah. I really think that we're going to be competing right there with them. I mean, I'm in complete agreement with you here. It's just, there's so many thoughts running through my head, and they're all positive, because we look at a guy like Tariq Black, who was about an 110th recruit in his class, near that top 100, you know, best player out of Connecticut, uh, uh, you know, a New England state. He is very close to home if he does come to Boston College. And yeah, there's a chance he goes to Georgia now with the transfer of the Wake Forest quarterback, I'm blanking on his name, Jamie Newman. Um, he'll be at Georgia and he takes kind of what Justin Fields did moving from Georgia to Ohio State, something similar that really may pay off for the Bulldogs. So, yeah, we might lose Tariq Black there. But at the same time, even if we miss out, we've been in you know talks with two former about top 100 prospects. And, yes, Adazio did bring in some great names. He brought A.J. Dillon here, who, sure, was only a, about a three-star coming out of high school, but he became you know one of, if not the best running back in our school's history. At the same time, that doesn't matter to me as much as just bringing in these top 100 guys, these these players that can be molded into the kind of play style you want to have as a coach. And Halfley is the perfect person for that as well after seeing what that Ohio State defense could do. I, I just... I can't wait until next fall, and I can't wait to see who he recruits as well. And look at at the recruiting he's done in terms of getting other coaches. Yeah, yeah. He's done a phenomenal job in that. I really like the, I believe it's the new defensive coordinator hire. Um, From the Bengals. From the Bengals. Yep, linebacker coach there last year. Really, really like that hire as well. Um, I really think he's just going to be doing such a good job. I think that the Phil Jerkovich uh, acquiring him, was obviously the quarterback that he had his eyes set on from the yeah. start. That he knew was going to be available and out there and that he wanted to ensure was his. Because this guy still has three years left of eligibility to play. Mm-hmm. And instead of, you know, now Halfley has a guy locked in his system for the next three years, and that's his guy. Instead of having to worry about, you know, a bad year with no quarterback or playing behind 
guys like Grissel or Sam Johnson where you didn't necessarily know what you were getting and it probably wouldn't have resulted in a pretty good season. Yeah. Uh, but now, with Phil, you can now look ahead to the future for your next quarterback. This is the time where you can really dig in on, on recruiting. And when you have the guys set at certain positions, you know, you're good to go. This is the problem that Adazio had. He was always waiting for his team to get older and stop being so youthful. Well, no. Now we're going to have guys coming in that off the, off the jump are already talented, can move into starting positions, and now that's how you build a recruiting essentially farm system down the line where you have these guys coming in later on that are you know immediately replacing the seniors that leave and already being top talent this is it like this is the start of it and it's going to be huge also the fact that he's on the national championship game on the coaches roundtable sporting bc gear man if i'm a recruit i'm seeing him up there and i'm already knowing that bc culture has changed he's getting out on the national media, even bigger perspective. you got to be excited about yeah. this hire. One more coach I'll touch on before we move to your first quote of the day is that our offensive coordinator, Frank Signetti, is a former offensive coordinator and QB coach from the NFL, coaching most recently Aaron Rodgers in 2018 with Green Bay under Mike McCarthy's group. So, yes, he was let go and McCarthy was fired, but to me – all the teams that he coached with, the Giants for two seasons, that's got Eli Manning, two-time Super Bowl winner, the St. Louis Rams for four seasons, including as an offensive coordinator, that was before they moved, but he still got to work with number one pick Sam Bradford, who sure, his career didn't turn out that great, but that's still another talent, much better than we've seen anyone with BC. I mean, remember how good he was at Alabama. Also with the Dallas Cowboys, I think, I might have just been those three, um, Incredible. I mean, what a great hire there as well. A guy who's worked with some incredible quarterbacks who he can hopefully bring, honestly, advice from them. Like, yes, he has great experience in his own right, but working with great talents can help the talents that you're going to work with next. And I really think that will be brought by this coach Signetti and by the rest of the hires that Halfley has made. So I also think that... Couple things. First of all, Signetti, that was definitely a huge selling point on getting Phil Jerkovich to come here. Yes, exactly. I think that was beautifully executed by Halfley and getting that all worked out. Secondly, I think that BC culture in terms of sports is is going to change soon. And really, you have to shout out Martin Jarman for getting the Halfley hired because it's what's going to do it. Because as we know, the Pats dynasty has ended this year. Officially, it ended this year. We'll get to that probably. And. <laughs> Now, Boston's going to be needing a new football team that they can get behind during the dark years of rebuilding. Like, Boston fans are going to be hit with the Pats not being good. And that's going to hit a lot of people hard because there's going to be no Brady. Belichick's going to leave eventually. It's all falling apart. Gronk is already gone. And there's going to be tough years ahead for sure. Maybe the Pats can bounce back a lot quicker than others. But, you know, that's also in Foxborough. This football team is as close to Boston as you can get out here. And people are going to rally behind these guys if we start winning. If we start giving Clemson a run for their money, you know, it's the same thing that people down in Louisiana did with LSU yesterday. Like The whole city will ride for your team. So before you know it, I think you're going to be seeing a ton more BC fans packing that stadium, whether it's alumni, new fans, you know, wow. people that just need a new football team. Alumni Stadium is going to be packed if they're giving Clemson a run for their money consistently every year. So I, yeah. you got to be excited about that. And with that, it goes hand-in-hand with you know basketball and every other sport here. It's, it's going to be incredible, and it's going to be a major culture change at BC. I think BC needs to capitalize on this, and instead of focusing on becoming you know this academic prestige-powered school that Notre Dame is, you know, while we're getting there academically, bulk up on the sports as well because it's what Notre Dame does just as, as good, and you're going to see the people come. Like, build it, and they will come, and you build this house that Halfley built, and people are going to come and rally behind the Eagles. It's going to be awesome. I've got two phrases. Get in and decide to fly with the Boston College Eagles next year. I, I, mean, I also think I'm riding with house that Halfley built. After I love that. That, that was awesome. Dude, I haven't even <laughs> thought, you know, and we both decided not to go abroad next semester or next year. You know, we're going to stay for our entire junior year here on campus, well, really off campus, but we're going to, you know, go to that first football game next year, and I think you're right. No matter who we're playing, it could be Richmond, it could be Holy Cross, 
the stadium should be packed. And that is going to be a new atmosphere, whether Djurkovic is the quarterback or not. And I just saw an official post on the BC Instagram that is so exciting. That it's going to be a new atmosphere. The one that we haven't seen since like the Miami Red Bandana game or when Clemson came for game day. And I missed that. We didn't have that at all this year. I'm so excited to see this new BC football team. Mm. All right, so we'll hand it back to you now. All right, so we're going to keep it rolling with some college football. Big national championship game last night. This quote's coming out of that. And here we go. We had a tremendous schedule. We answered the bell. These guys didn't blink. Okay. Oh, man. So there's two very quotable players, or people, rather, on this LSU team slash staff. We've got Heisman winner, offensive player of the game last night, Joe Burrow. And we've got, you know, the coach of the year, Ed Orgeron. And I'm going to go with Coach O. It is Coach O. Obviously about LSU winning the championship. About LSU. And in particular, this was an article that came out today about Coach O and LSU being the best college team of all time. And I'll get into that in a sec. But first, I I really think that me saying it in my voice doesn't do it justice. So i got to bust out a Coach O impression. So we, we have a tremendous schedule. We answered the bell. These guys didn't blink. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fairly it's not bad. It's I think my Mahomes is better. Yeah. But maybe we'll get to that later. Well, maybe get to Mahomes. Who knows? <laughs> but Coach O, just awesome dude. I think it was the first time in the college football playoffs that majority of people were rooting for a team. Because usually, you know, Bama's in it and everyone is kind of like, you, you have either diehard Bama fans or everyone else. Like this one was like kind of split, but everyone just generally was behind LSU. Yeah. Joe Burrow is just such a great guy and so fun and so talented. One of the most talented college quarterbacks that we've probably seen since, I don't know, Tim Tebow maybe, and if not, even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you got to look at his numbers. I mean, he had 60 touchdown passes, 5,671 yards, breaking the record in the SEC, and tying Case Keenum for third all-time. Love that. Went 15-0. They beat the national champions in Clemson 42-25. Ending Clemson's and Trevor Lawrence's win streak. Yeah. It was their seventh victory against a top 10 team breaking the FBS record. That's awesome. And they were the only team ever to have a 5,000 yard passer, 1,000 yard rusher, and two 1,500 receivers all in the same year. All right, I'll give you my hot takes then. Number one, that LSU team is the best team I've seen. I don't even think it's a hot take. I think the, the stats well, show been, themselves. There's been a lot of years of college football, but I'm going to say that with those numbers in mind, those big numbers, we got to put LSU up there. Number two is that Joe Burrow is coming off the best season a quarterback has ever had in college football. Yeah. With setting the record, like you said, I think, for most total touchdowns in a season. And also winning the Heisman almost unanimously. It was pretty much, yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, two got injured, that kind of threw... Exactly. It might have been an easy year, if you will, but it didn't matter. He would have won it in any year, in my opinion. And thirdly, not a hot take at all, but just a point I thought of, we are at a school, you know, an ACC rival of Clemson's. You wouldn't expect to see too many people rooting for them unless they were from nearby or, you know, our one roommate, Jack Raj's case, almost went to that school and really has a, you know spot in his heart if you will for them you know otherwise we're gonna see a lot of people rooting for LSU but in general I agree with you it seemed like everybody was backing this team a team of destiny like we always say but usually a team of destiny means you know a six seed like the Titans we might get into that later who just seems to keep on winning and can't lose but they were still kind of an underdog in each game LSU was never an underdog, yet it just seemed like they were always going to, you know, plow. They were going everybody. to fight. They were gonna. Yeah. They were gonna go hard nose down and win every single game possible. And I think it was the first time. And I use a Coach O quote because he was just the most lovable coach that we have seen in a long time. Yeah. Because you know he was hard nose. He, he he was as tough as they came, but there's something absolutely lovable about him. You know Saban is as tough as they come, but no one generally likes Saban. No one no one feels cuddly and warmth towards right. you know Belichick either. It's that same kind of mentality, or you know even uh, Dabo. Like Dabo's like kind of a lovable idiot, but like you don't really love him. He's a little weird. I don't know. I just feel like Coach O is just a guy that if you're a big football guy, you can get behind. And, you know, even after the game, he went on SportsCenter and SVP asked him, like, Coach, what do you what do you plan on doing after this game and, and in the time? And he's like, well, I'm going to 
I'm gonna be recruiting, and I'm gonna eat me a ham sandwich. <laughs> and it's like, that's awesome. That's the exact answer you want. And also the fact that he just wins a national championship, and he knows in that moment, LSU can take that, show that they're national champs, and go and recruit right away and get these guys that may be on the fence after watching that game in the heat of the moment. Yeah. He knows that he can capitalize on that. I think that Coach O is going to be up there with Dabo and Nick Saban every year now mm. in recruiting and landing top guys. I think it's going to be those three for a while. And honestly, I kind of see Saban on the downward trend just mm. because Dabo and Coach O are there and, and rising now. Yeah, I thought you were going to say something more of the likes of he's – you know, Coach O is going to be up there with Saban as one of the best coaches of all time. No, no. I will not put him there because no. he's just not that quality of coach yeah. from, you know, a strategic standpoint. But recruiting-wise, maybe he is one of the best recruiters we've ever seen. And I think you're right. He's just going to get better, especially now that he has a ring on his finger, you know, from his championship. This is It's great for him. And I think LSU, who obviously has been a great program as well, it's not their first title. They're going back to where they were before Saban's dynasty started. Remember, Saban coached LSU before he went to Bama. So I think the prestige of LSU is back to about equal with Alabama after about 15 years or so of dominance from the Crimson Tide. I do want to point out on the Clemson side that our good friend J.P. Harvey, uh, I don't know if you saw this yet, this is recent, I, I, I guess he went to the game last night, I'm not totally sure, but he, in an article... by thestate.com about Clemson's fan base says, quote, J.P. Harvey, a sophomore at Clemson, donned a wig to resemble sophomore quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Harvey and his friends were in downtown early to get ready for the game. They also attended last year's game downtown, so I guess he's been to both titles. I remember every single detail, Harvey said. It was the best night of my life. It was the craziest night in Clemson by far. So I guess the quote is talking about maybe when they won last year. Wow. And he had a a wig this year. So there's a bonus quote. We're shouting JP out. I, he just that's said, awesome. Yeah, I, I don't even know, but yeah, uh, that's so great. Shout out to JP. Uh, <laughs> that's so. Sorry funny. for the loss, I guess, but at the same time, great recognition for you. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. Um, I've got two non-football quotes. I know you have two football quotes left. Would you rather me go baseball or basketball? Let's go baseball. We can finish right. up with basketball. Sounds good. All right, so who said it and what's it about? As a leader and major league manager, it is my responsibility to lead players and staff with integrity that represents the game in the best possible way. While the evidence consistently shows I didn't endorse or participate in the blank, I failed to stop them and I am deeply sorry. Don't uh, need to fill in the blank. You will by just what it is about as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the... Uh, it's. The sign stealing by the Houston Astros. Right. Finally. You don't need to get the name of the manager. You might it's, remember it's it. It's AJ Hinch, right? There you yeah. go. So, yeah, I mean, breaking news out of this week, we finally get the punishment for the Astros after all the sign stealing allegations. And uh, frankly, I don't think it's enough. I, I was literally going to say <laughs> it was harsh, but was it harsh enough? No. And my I, answer is also no. My answer is immediately that title needs to be stripped from the Astros. Amen. It's unfair, especially as a fan of a team who had gone the length to get to that position and, you know, fall subject to some of these. These numbers are ridiculous, too, when you look at the home and away stuff I had seen the other day. But it's totally unfair. It's not right. In a game that has so much tradition and wants to stick with so much the old school way of playing, you can't have cheating. It's bad for the game itself. Of course. This is a firestorm for you know people in the higher ups of the MLB to deal with because they're already suffering as is they're, lo- they're honestly losing fans by the day because you know it's an old timers game it's a long game people don't have the attention span anymore yada 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 all that but when you have a cheating scandal come out and destroy credibility of a team's win like it just hurts it all the more so yeah i i i have a lot of mixed feelings here um Firstly, as a Yankees fan, we were eliminated by a a team with a link to this scandal in three consecutive seasons, losing to the Astros. We were one game away from the 2017 World Series, which I really believe we were destined to win. And then the next season, losing to the Red Sox. Yeah, we lost to the Red Sox in the ALDS. 
Um, and they were managed by Alex Cora, who had a role as the bench coach of the Astros that won the yep. World Series. And he's expected to be suspended for longer than A.J. Hinch, who got a one-year ban, as well as the GM, Jeff Leno. And both were fired after that by the Astros. Jim Crane obviously you know, cracked down on that, and I don't know if the owner knew about it. It seemed like he didn't. He'll say he didn't no matter what. I don't know if I believe that, but still, the fact that he still has that title really ticks me off. And then 2019, this year, obviously, we lose the Astros again. They go on to the World Series, lose to the Nats, who were on fire. I don't know if we beat them or not. But still, you know, those are the question marks that us as fans of a team that came so close and was directly affected by the scandal three years in a row. And there's evidence in the report from the commissioner's office that they used it in the postseason. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. And I'm usually not the one that gets so animated here about some of these points. But now, you know, something like this that directly affects me as a fan of a team and a fan of the game, because I know, you know, you always do explain it. And it's completely true. That uh, and Red Sox fire Alex Cora as we speak. Breaking news right here on the spot, seven thirty-three. But yeah, I, you always say baseball is you know heading downhill a little bit, and I, I don't disagree. But baseball was my favorite sport growing up. I love the MLB. I'd love to work in it one day, and it really pains me to see something like this happen. That's going to hurt the fan base of the sport as a whole even more. So hopefully. I hope they crack down on it again with a second, you know, punishment, at least an asterisk in the rec- in the record books, excuse me, next to the, the Astros 2017 World Series victory because that's what they are. They're the Houston asterisks to me. Shout out to, I think that's John Boy who came up with that. Uh, I, completely, I, I completely agree. It's absolutely terrible. Um, but what I'm concerned as, as a Yankees fan going forward is – do you, I don't like, I don't know. Do you wish that this was all just kind of kept under wraps, or do we go into this season, win a championship, and it's like, oh, it's only now after everything has been taken care of that we can get a win? Like, That's, I mean, this is the fair game we're playing now, right? Hopefully, we think. Because they, they might not be the only team using something of the like. We don't even know if the Red Sox necessarily used the strategy when Cora was there. But the firing makes me think they really want to separate from him. Don't want their own title to be questioned now, which it already will be. I, what I think is the past is in the past. And this should be a huge motivating factor to the team right now that was there for the last three seasons. You know, Brett Gardner just re-signed. He was huge in that 2017 series against the Astros, and he's got to be ticked that, you know, he won a World Series in 09 as a rookie. He has not been a part of that team since, and there's not another player anymore now that Sabathia retired. I'm pretty sure no one else won that ring now 11 years ago. They need to notice that their window as a whole is going to start closing when Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, the younger guys, start getting paid more. And meanwhile, we just signed Garrett Cole, who's now in his prime. Make sure we get the most out of him early. Because in my opinion, as expensive as that contract is for so long, if we win just one ring, all of it is entirely worth it. So as a whole, I say it's frustrating as a fan, but you can't change the past any more than giving an asterisk to the Astros. You can't make us or the Dodgers or anyone else the new champions. So instead, just look forward to this year and you know the next couple years because the Astros as well lose their first two picks in the next two drafts, which may be the harshest punishment, or at least the most impactful. So as a whole, I say, as a baseball fan and a Yankee fan, just look forward to this next year where hopefully no teams are using any of these cheating ways because, yeah, you can try to steal signs with your eyes on second base, you know, when you're looking towards the catcher, but you cannot use cameras set up in the stadium illegally and be, you know, sending that to your own dugout and knowing what's going to come smart but that's not that's not legal but that's the thing like even if they're going to do it then let everyone do it but then that would then we'd be playing (laughs) t-ball yes understandable but that's the type of game people want the fast action home run hitting that you know could accompany this if you i'm not saying i agree with it but let's say you take out two innings of the game Hmm. which people would get all up in arms about but for time's sake as the game goes on and people have shorter and shorter attention attention spans you do that you let everyone use cameras and just hit bombs. It's going to be a completely <laughs> different game, but it's going to be a Twitter-friendly game that will 
reintroduce a whole new fan base into the MLB if it's really suffering that much. Yeah. I'm just saying that because it's such a, a traditional game, this is what happens when you don't adapt to new technologies. Stuff like this tends to happen. But new technologies are great when they're used fairly and positively. Exactly. But, but to get this unfair advantage... But by not addressing them they can, out on the yeah, whole yeah, and yeah, trying yeah. to keep this old game that goes back to literally, like, Civil War era. Right. Like, if not earlier, actually. Um, 1860s. Yeah, about, so, so yeah, about right Civil War. Yeah. Um, like, you're going to have problems. If they had just, when cameras, technology, all this started coming out, the first indications of sign-stealing started coming out and said, okay, like, you can do this in a certain way or use technology in a way this might not be the problem we have. It's just, sometimes the MLB yeah. annoys me with trying, while I love the traditional game, right? sometimes I think that the traditional game comes kind of back to bite them in the ass when they don't adapt to new technology. I think they've done a good job with other technologies, especially, you know, the sabermetrics, and because that has become a brand new strategy with managerial uh decision making I guess where setting different lineups for lefties versus righties and just addressing splits as opposed to just overall numbers also you gotta love the uh, I'm blanking on what they're called but when you get to see the launch angle and distance of home runs and I think technology is being used statistically in a really cool way but I, I hear what you're saying I think what the MLB should do and has clearly been doing so far is stick to the tradition as a whole and yes, you're going to lose fans, you know, lose. Really, you're just not going to gain new fans. It's the NBA is the fastest growing. NFL is still going to be super popular. The MLB, it's never been the most popular sport, you know, in recent memory, right? It's been here the longest. It has been popular back then. Don't try to be the NBA. You know, don't try to be this modern, you know, attention-grabbing sport. Yes, some people don't have the attention span for it, but others definitely do. And I think they are the core fans that you should be playing to. You know, the kids who grew up playing baseball and love the sport and bleed the sport, I think you have to keep the rules the same. Don't change to seven innings. Don't change to basically T-ball where you have 20 run games probably. That's fun, but keep that in the home run derby. People love the home run derby. As a whole, I'd say just stick to it. I I, I think you I that's think what you, you do, have to do. I think you do stick to it, but in terms of all these leagues, everything comes down to money. Yeah, and how you I don't think they're money. losing money though. I, but they, it's not necessarily now. The fact right. is they will. Right. The fact okay. is they will because yes, as much as you can say an older crowd will like baseball, you take a, a look at the boomer generation of you know these players that grew up playing baseball. That's not the case anymore. Kids don't grow up really playing baseball as much as they did back then. That's they're, play, they're growing up enticed by the NBA. Right. Even football, you're going to see a major decline. That's where yeah, I that's think baseball definitely. should wait on okay. is for football to decline and then kind of take over as that secondary main I sport. I think they're going to be handed that. They, they will <laughs> yeah. be handed that. That's yeah. the thing. Unless I actually think baseball may stay in that third rate because With I hockey? think soccer is going soccer. to take over worldwide. MLS is you growing. Know, Actually, it's, it's the most popular sport well, worldwide already. It, so, already, yeah. but that's what I'm saying. I meant in the U.S. Yeah, it's going yeah. to take that second spot. Okay. And, you know, football, football becomes football. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I think that you're going to have these kids that grew up playing basketball instead. And, yeah. again, you're losing money because there isn't that generation keeping it going. While I do agree there will be some diehard loyal fans and that's who they should appeal to for the time being, right. I don't know if that's going to work consistently because they'll end up losing much more money than they have right now. We'll see. I, I think there's enough, you know, to keep baseball around because it's a sport that has stood the test of time already, you know? And while, yes, there's more popular sports coming, there's also declining sports because of physical reasons, especially the NFL, and baseball doesn't have those risks. So while the commissioner, Rob Manfred, is clearly working on some stuff to modernize the game just a little bit, I think he's doing a good enough job because so far I haven't been upset with any rule changes that seem to change the, the, the whole game, you know, as a whole. Um, I, I think until we see a drastic change that I don't agree with, what they're doing right now is fine. And they shouldn't take it too quickly. But I, I agree with you. I think what you're saying is just don't stay sa stagnant, excuse me. Take advantage of when sports like the NFL start crumbling down. But yeah, so we'll leave that there. We'll head over to your second football quote. I kind of, so my next two quotes are honestly kind of challenging. 
<laughs> great. They're, they're kind of tough. Um, uh, I gave I'm, you two. I may, so yeah, far. I may have to give you a bit of a hint on this one. All right. Uh, but let's go. We're talking NFL now. I knew they were going to ask me things that probably, if I just clammed up, the show wouldn't be very fun. So I tried to make it as fun as possible. So Ooh. this is about someone going back on something they said. Going back on? Oh, jeez. Kind of tough, but if you end up, like, if you know what it is, and in relation to one of the four teams in the playoffs right now. Oh, they're still in it? They're still okay. in it. So I'm going to need to read it again in a sec. I was thinking immediately Marshawn Lynch. In a press conference kind of way, but let you go again. The team's still in it. I knew they were going to ask me things that probably, if I just clammed up, the show, so not a press conference, but some kind of radio podcast show, okay. wouldn't be very fun. So I tried to make it as fun as possible. And this is about him going back on something. Okay. The, oh man, the only player that I can think of right now that has had some really great stuff in my opinion in the media is Richard Sherman and whether that's correct or not I definitely want to talk about him but I'll guess Richard Sherman about his contract and the Niners and all that oh do I wish it was (laughs) but no (laughs) it is Mike Vrabel on cutting off his um Oh, member! <laughs> oh, <laughs> to get oh, to a Super Bowl. Yeah. So, oh. the Titans are close. <laughs> so here I am They're today. Close. I realize, oh my God, <laughs> Mike Vrabel might have to do this, and he actually was interviewed by Sports Illustrated like super recently. I think after this last Titans win against the Ravens, yeah, and. They asked him about it, and he was like, yeah, like, I'm not going to do it. Like, <laughs> But, like, I was trying to have fun with the two guys because right. they – I forget who it was, but it was two Titans players okay. who had him on, <laughs> and they were just joking with him. Uh, but, yeah, he officially is not doing it. Good, good. If the okay. Titans get it to the Super Bowl. We were, we were never sure if it was get to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, but Titans are one game away. They are. And that's the point I really want to stress is this Tennessee Titans run – this team of destiny run that you mentioned prior, yeah, and the genius that is Mike Vrabel, and shout out Tyler Vrabel too, yeah. playing at BC. Yep. So there's some Vrabel connection here as well. But Mike Vrabel, absolute genius, incredible, <laughs> which is a word I feel like I've been saying a lot today, especially about football coaches. But he is the man, and also Ryan Tannehill has to be credited for the turnaround with this team because. Vrabel was coaching a losing team with Mariota at the helm. Sure, they had a very talented defense and still do. They had weapons in Derrick Henry, who ended up winning the rushing crown. But everyone seemed to just hit their full potential and go on this hot streak as soon as Ryan Tannehill took the reins. And I questioned the trade when they acquired him, to or signing, I think it was a trade, to basically be a backup. I, I thought Mariota definitely had that job still. But he started to struggle a little more. Remember, he got them to the playoffs a couple years back. So why this sudden change with Mariota? Well, it's because he was terrible this season, to put it frankly. And Ryan Tannehill, outside of Miami, with a competent team with weapons around him, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Johnny Smith with an incredible one-handed catch in that Ravens game, he looked like the first-round talent quarterback that he was supposed to be with Miami. And when I see Dolphins fans, because we have a couple actually at home, Donnie and uh, Bruno, they were questioning, why couldn't Tannehill do this with us? It's because of your old coaches and the talent around him. None of it was there. I I think Miami's going to be on an upward trend. Brian Flores. Flores. I was about to say, I love where they're going. Like, honestly, hot take potential coach of the year. That's right. I was saying with uh, John Houston. Yes. I said... If, uh, you know, if they didn't put so much weight on records and having to be, you know, have a winning record to win coach of the year, I think Mike Tomlin and Brian Flores would be my top two votes in no particular order because both overachieved with the rosters they had so much. And I think that's what the award's supposed to be about. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I, lo- I actually really liked Tannehill coming out of college. I thought that he would be this guy for Miami and I was really excited to see him go there. I have never been big on Mariota. Uh, even honestly, even after his Oregon days, I I don't know. There was something about him I just didn't think would transition too all too well to the NFL. But I was excited to see Tannehill get a second chance. I yeah. wanted to see him out of the debacle that was Miami. See him on a fresh team. And he looks great. 
Now, is Tannehill legit? Is he worth keeping as your franchise guy? I don't necessarily know. I don't know if this is more of like a Nick Foles situation where kind of takes over. He is maybe an average quarterback in a system that works really well to him and he can get you a Super Bowl win. And maybe it's just the one win that they end up getting. Or they keep him as a franchise guy. I I don't know. But in all fairness, franchise quarterbacks are few and far between. Right. So I think this guy has the season he does. He's led you this far. He crushes the Pats dynasty, takes down MVP Lamar Jackson, and has one win away from going to a Super Bowl. I think you lock him down. Because I completely agree with you. I don't think he's worth top quarterback money. Well, he's going to get it. He's going to get it. From any team. But I don't think he's worth it. But I do agree you have to lock him down. He's going to get a Nick Foles contract, and that's his value, and I agree with it. But the difference between Foles and Tannehill is Foles was competing with a number two overall pick in Carson Wentz, who was still on his rookie deal, looking for an extension. And when you're the Eagles, you know, Wentz had come off a great rookie year and then was hurt in his second year. So it didn't work out. You didn't know how good Wentz was going to be. You have to stick with the guy who shows so much more promise, is so much younger. So obviously in that case, going Carson Wentz made sense, and it still does in hindsight. And obviously Foles doesn't look the same in Jacksonville. So does that say good things about Tannehill going somewhere else? Not really. Here, where Marietta has already been benched and doesn't seem like he's going to get a second shot, he wasn't hurt. Sure, he might have been playing a little injured this year, but the reason he never came back in is because Tannehill has looked better. And in my opinion... Since he won the QB battle at the end of the season this year, and he's looked so great in this system in such a small sample size, maybe, actually, this is my real suggestion, franchise tag the man for the first year. That's actually what I was going to say. It's, I definitely think you franchise tag It's going to be expensive. You know, you have to pay him pretty much top QB money on the franchise tag. That's how it works. I think it's worth it to get one full season of yep. Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback, your starting quarterback. See how he works in the system for an entire season. See if teams have figured out something new with Tannehill. And if you're still winning, sign that man. Yeah. Especially if they go all the way and win the Super Bowl this year. Definitely. I I definitely think so. But outside of Tannehill, uh, looking at Vrabel, Mm -hmm. you know, just incredible coaching. We watched during that Pats game him literally playing chess with Belichick and how he was utilizing his delay of games and timeouts and everything just perfectly down to the wire, you know, doing the type of stuff that Belichick does because Belichick will just study hours upon hours of the the rules. And, you know, Vrabel seems like he may have that in him to be this next guy. Just as we see other quarterbacks coming up and Brady no longer being in the playoffs, Brady no longer being the GOAT, it's time to start talking about Belichick no longer being the goat of coaching and wow. who the next guy might be. I'm again, just like I said, Coach O was, you know, going to be up there right. with Bell with Saban. You know, similar thing. He might not be as good a coach all time as Saban, mm-hmm. but in this case, you know, Vrabel might not be as good all time as Belichick. Most likely won't be. Right. But now it's time to talk about some other guys in this conversation. I think he's definitely up there. You know, they shut down Lamar. They were forcing Lamar Jackson to pass out of bounds uh, or closer to the hash marks almost every pass. Uh, they were limited his running game where, yeah, he had a couple good runs, but they were not the long stretches that he would normally have. And uh, it, partly I also want to mention the Ravens here as well. Yeah. You know, you have the season you have with Lamar Jackson. And that's a once-in-a-lifetime season for a lot of guys. And I, I think Lamar can repeat and get a season similar, maybe not as good. But, again, it can happen. It can be even better that Lamar has a season. But when you don't capitalize on those seasons as a team, mm-hmm. it, it's all for nothing, you know? There's only yeah. so many times that you can get that, get this far, and just lose like that in the first round. To the, Frankly, the Ravens should be able to beat the Titans. They should. But, you know, they couldn't capitalize this year, which is a shame. Yeah. And, I think I might send a hot take out there real fast. Yeah. And it, it kind of hurts to say because I actually love Lamar Jackson as well. I don't think the Ravens are ever going to win a Super Bowl with Lamar. And the reason I say that is their offensive coordinator. It wasn't Harbaugh who shaped the team. You know, credit to Harbaugh for hiring this OC mm-hmm. and being a great coach as is. I love him. But the offensive coordinator, I think it's Wink, Martindale, somebody. He's been linked to head coaching jobs. And the reason I say this is, one, Lamar is going to be studied in film. And see, how did the Titans stop him? We can do that same thing with our team. That's one part. But Lamar's still dynamic. He's still great in this offense. 
when the offensive coordinator gets poached, I think Lamar is just not going to work as well because it's not Harbaugh's system. It was the OC system. And we're going to see on that team maybe the new Lamar, a new mobile quarterback who succeeds just as well. And as much as I love the guy, and I think he could even win a second MVP, I don't think he's meant to go all the way. Not here. I, I, think, I think that Lamar can get a Super Bowl. I, we've seen Super Bowls won with less. Yeah. I, I think that he will at some point. I think maybe one. But this is the thing. And you know now I can bring up the Chiefs too because that's what's coming next for the Titans. And after their incredible comeback, they're worth talking about. But real quick, you know... We talk about Lamar being Michael Vick 2.0. And, you know, that's that's just that. It's Michael Vick 2.0. It's not Tom Brady 2.0. It's not these other guys who are considered the GOATs. Michael Vick is a great quarterback in his own right, but he doesn't have the wins that other guys have, the Super Bowl wins. So, yeah, maybe Lamar can sneak in one, one or two more wins mm-hmm. and, you know, be this athletically gifted quarterback. But I... Don't know. When we talk about Pat Mahomes, you know, he's Aaron Rodgers 2.0. That's a big difference. That's a huge difference. Exactly. So, And with a team with the worst defense of the Ravens, Mm -hmm. you know, he's still doing it. Exactly. And now the Titans have to also, real quick, I didn't really know a way to introduce him into this conversation, but Derrick Henry had a phenomenal season. Absolute beast. That's about that. (laughs) But killing it on the Titans in this playoff run. And now they have the Chiefs. Chiefs are going to be tough. Mahomes had an incredible game, it, more than incredible. That may have been one of the games of the year in, in the Chiefs' comeback. I think I'm, I, I want to wrap this up by saying I think I, I'm calling that we're destined for a Mahomes-Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl, you know, the good heading out yeah. and the goat coming up. And that dynamic between the two and who wins, the young or the old, I think it's bound to happen this year. I'm, I, would, I say Rodgers wins. I would love to watch it. I'm also going to say Mahomes would win that matchup. Uh, it would be tight. And I think, you know, the refs have made some questionable calls towards both teams. It seems like they're kind of pushing them that way. But get this, hottest take maybe of the day. I know it's not really, but Titans-Niners. That's what we're going to see. And people are saying, that would be so boring. Jimmy G versus Tannehill. That's not what it's about. This is two incredible defenses, some crazy players with Derrick Henry, like we said. I mean, Jimmy G's been awesome, and he's turned this offense of, you know, random running backs such as Mostert and Breda and Tevin Coleman into an awesome unit as well. I, I, I would be very excited to see what would happen in that game. Could the Niners be the team that I, finally stops Derrick Henry? Listen, I think that the Niners have as equal amount chance to make the Super Bowl as the Packers. I really think right, that the, It's more the Chiefs-Titans that's It's the, the Chiefs-Titans yeah. that's, that's the hot take there, and... I'll tell you why, because look at that Texans game. Was, you know, even you consider Deshaun Watson a top-tier quarterback, correct? Top, Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson. Second tier. Second tier. Put up there. Yeah, yeah, Second tier. Where do you put Ryan Tannehill? I mean, I I would have said like third tier, but he's playing like on that similar tier. Okay. I know what you're getting at, so I'm going to say around two. Overall, you have to say I would consider him to be on a third tier. Below right. Deshaun Watson. You ask me who's a better right, right. quarterback, yeah. I'm probably saying Deshaun Watson's straight Based down. on how they're playing recently, it's close to equal. But yeah, I'll, I'll take Watson. But all around, you're going to yeah. say Watson. So, on that note, Mahomes is a different beast altogether. Yes. No, he completely yeah, yeah. elevated that game. The Texans are the Texans, and they're going to be the Texans until maybe their line gets a little bit better. That's all you can do. There's not much else you can change with that team where they can get – you know, maybe another playoff win. Otherwise, they're going to be stuck right here every year. Agreed. And you saw that in this game because Mahomes was down. What was it, 21 nothing, 24 nothing, 24. 24 nothing, and he elevated that game to a different level that we haven't seen since the heyday of Brady, Rodgers, those guys. Dude, 51-7 run. Exactly. Mahomes single-handedly took that game and made it his own. And you will never see Deshaun Watson get to that level. You will never see Ryan Tannehill get to that level. And if the Chiefs are in any risk of that against the Titans, Mahomes will elevate it that next level because I swear to God he is making a Super Bowl this year. But do you know, and I've, I actually said the Chiefs were a team of destiny months ago mm-hmm. because I thought he'd come back from injury yep, and beat I remember. his piece. Yep. But why I'm talking the Titans now is the same tier that Mahomes is on quarterback-wise, Derrick Henry is now on as a running back. And the Chiefs' defense, they've got Chris Jones in the middle if he's healthy. 
Otherwise, this is not a run-stopping defense. This is a team that tries to rush because they know their secondary is not that great, and they need to get sacks before they can give up big deep balls. And that's They're not set. I'm just going to say this. They're not set to stop Henry from another 180-yard breakout. I agree. They keep pounding the ball. I don't think you stop Hill, Henry. All he did was throw 15 passes last game, and listen, it worked. Listen, I agree. I don't think you stop Henry at all. And even if Henry is on the goal line, who knows if the Chiefs are able to pull off a goal line stand and, at, and not let him into the red zone. Right. It's, it, it, the end zone. It's going to be tough, okay? I'm not denying that. I'm not saying it's not going to be a close game. Agreed. But if you're having a shootout game, there is no other quarterback I want besides Patrick Mahomes right now. Agreed. And you'd also rather have passing than rushing. So I agree exactly. with you there. That's what why I, I think say, it ends up being a Chiefs dub. Right. What I'll say, though, as the final sports point, because I think we'll both skip our final quotes, move on to Bachelor Talk real quick, and that'll be the hour. It's fine. My actual my final quote okay. was about the Chiefs anyway. Beautiful. Um, real quick, it was I just wanted to tune in and say all those people that doubted us and hated on us and thought we were going to lose this game, guess again. And it was Brittany Matthews, <laughs> Pat Mahomes' girlfriend. Oh. Super annoying well, I video. That if, one wrong. If, oh, I saw the video. Uh, I didn't listen. Saw yeah. it, yeah. All right, the point I'm going to make as the final point, we're going to take the Ravens' six points from garbage time out of the equation. We're going to say the Titans won 28-6. They had that blowout against a defense that we both agreed earlier was a better defense than the Chiefs. So what I'm going to say is if Tannehill only throws 14 times again and they give Derrick Henry the ball 30 times again, yeah, the guy is going to get tired, but he's also a beast, and we've sh- he's shown that he can do that for an entire playoff game. He's going to run rampant. I'm saying 200-yard game. I think the Titans win much closer than they saw against the Ravens and that the Chiefs did against the Texans. And I do think Mahomes is going to have some magic at the end, but I think the Titans squeak it out. That's my prediction. So the other thing is this is where it becomes vitally important that you do get that bye week. Because yeah, for me, yeah. Derrick Henry is a workhorse for sure. Yeah. He's proven that. He's proven that all game you can toss it to him and he's going to pound the defense and they're going to be the ones tired. Mm-hmm. But an extra game in there, you never know what can happen in these situations. You never know if an injury hits now. You never yeah. know if Derrick Henry doesn't get those couple extra yards here and there. Mm-hmm. It's all the difference maker, and I think that's going to be a huge difference maker and I think that Mahomes is going to be able to close it out because he can capitalize on those situations where the other team falls short. We'll see, and I'm super excited for the game regardless. Real quick, before our quick Bachelor recap and predictions, because we haven't seen last night's episode. We're going to yep, watch, watch it, it tonight. right when we get back. But here's my NBA quote. It is such a joke. Uh, sometimes it shows up in the box score. Sometimes it don't. <laughs> but he's just always a plus guy. He's going to defend at a high level. He's going to get guys involved. Very smart, very tough. To have him on this ball club, it's a luxury. It was Frank Vogel about oh, Alex Caruso. Yeah. <laughs> and wow. then I wanted to talk all-star voting. It would just be a rant. Being it would terrible. just be a rant. Yeah. You guys can fill in the blanks. It would we be don't, a rant by yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't need to... We'll fill the time with Bachelor instead of yeah, ranting. because so. we have loyal fans that need some Bachelor talk. Yes, they've been waiting. So, brand new season of Bachelor. We have... Pilot Pete. Let's go. Back. Third round exit, but he's back for his own game this time. <laughs> and you know who else is back? Hannah B. So I'm gonna start out real quick. Yeah. Hannah B is the worst. She comes Whoa. back. She comes back. You know, she she kicks Pilot Pete out when he's the third guy out. And she asked Tyler after you know picking Jed, which was a dumb idea, asked Tyler out on the Bachelor Tell All show or whatever, and picks him, has a one night stand, whatever. We saw those Twitter picks, and now is falling victim to Pilot Pete, saying she never got over him. I, I don't buy it for a second. Listen, you should have got him then. He had the most sustainable job out of everyone. You know, yeah. Jed was literally some no-name singer that was there who just was cheating. Pilot Pete was awesome. You did the thing four times, and you still didn't pick him. I'm not buying it now. Now that he's in a house full of all these other beautiful women, you want to run around, show your face on TV because, oh, I don't know, you're dancing with the stars – uh, run she ended. Won that. She won it, but it ended. No, I don't buy it. I'm out on you, Hannah B. Get off this show and get off Pilot Pete. Bold take though. On the other hand, because I also I don't hate Hannah B., but I don't like that she's here. However, based on what we've seen in the previews and what we're gonna see tonight, Hannah B.'s gonna come back, and Pilot Pete still definitely has interest there. I think he does, but I think he realizes. That How he can do better. How is he going to realize? And realize that you should, like, you got to have some self-respect, man. You got a yeah. house full of all these other beautiful women. You don't need Hannah B. Take Madison Hannah B's stupid, man. Yeah. And also, Alabama wasn't even in the playoffs this year, man. <laughs> so 
kick her out. Roll tide. Boom. Roll tide. Roll tide down the driveway off in a plane, <laughs> and we can kick it with Pilot Pete. So now to my <laughs> picks based on the first episode. Big fan of Malaya, Alea, awesome grandma note. Everyone loves a good grandma. That was all, same grandma name. Both were Rose. Yeah, that was that's all a in connection. on that. Hannah Ann, hot take here. I like Hannah Ann. She showed enough assertive motion in in the yeah. first, you know, going out there to try and see Pete a couple times. I thought it was a good enough amount. Three times, that's fine. Pete's right. used to four times. <laughs> Boom, Hannah Ann, nice. lock in on her. I think I think she uh, awesome eyes too. Beautiful eyes. Oh, no, she's She's going to be a killer. She, I think I've she'll got, be around. I've got a Hannah Ann take. She's manipulative. I think so, Not too. Not Luke P manipulative, but I think more towards Pilot P. And I don't think she'll win. I think I, I, hope I don't think Alea wins either because I don't think she's, you know, enough. I don't think she has that energy to be enough. Who I, do think, yet. who I do think is going to win is Madison. I'm locked in Agreed. on Madison Agreed. winning it all. And if not, I think Madison is our next Bachelorette. Wow. She has that Bachelorette energy. Someone How, that could that first win date though. Was awesome, by the way. Someone that I do think could Incredible. win, Victoria P. I think she's lovely, mm-hmm. sweet, beautiful, and she is going to. She has that kind of like Cassie personality, where yeah. she's not all out there, but she's yeah. not also too reserved, and she's willing to put it all on the line. I think that Pete might end up choosing her well, as she, kind of the safe bet. She has similar looks and I believe similar job to what Cassie had, but. I'm going to say it doesn't have the same X factor as Cassie, similar to what you're saying about Alea missing. I think Victoria P ends up near the finals, almost maybe even a finalist, ends up on Paradise this Ooh. summer. Paradise, she could definitely kick in on Paradise. Yeah. So we have not seen the newest episode, but here are my predictions of what happened. Basically, McKenna, my Kenna, comes uh, out as uh, the new Demi. Calling that now. Yeah, no I'm doubt. calling it now. No it's going to happen. Um... Victoria F is the other Victoria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge crier. She's going to be the new. Uh, what was the the Miami girl from last season? Oh, Nicole. Nicole. She's the new Nicole. She's going to be crying the entire Nicole. time. Yes. Um, that's about it. Don't know anyone else too well yet, but that's going to be my first episode impressions. Oh, um, Kelly is gonna. Oh no, she's had too much one on one time to get the one on one date. Mm, I think I'm saying Victoria Kelly. P. For one-on-one date. So what I will say about Kelly, Kelly's the one he met, right? Yeah. And they what clearly I, so like have a they have something. There. Kelly will be a around spark. for a long time. Yeah. I think she'll be around for a minute. But whenever anyone on this show has met someone in the past, they never end up picking them because if they had liked them that much in the past, they would have stuck with them back then. But remember the the meeting was just a five-second, hi, hello, I'm on the show yeah. in a lobby. Yeah. And then that was it. Yeah, I it guess. It was more of like a sign, which is how she keeps framing it, and I agree with that. I just, I'm not going to pick her as more than a finalist because I think Madison just is the one. And I I really do want to talk about that solo date, the one-on-one, going to, you know, Pete's parents Renewing their vows. There's nothing more romantic than that. And the reason that he picked her, I like, picked up on for the start, wait, is that she was family oriented. Clearly, that's Pilot Pete's main theme, I think. That's what he's looking I think, for. honestly, I think it was kind of creepy. <laughs> like, I think I, it worked. I think, it, I, think like, I, I don't sure, think it probably did, but to well, me, I, it's like first date. It's like, this is Madison, No, and I, she's the one that I picked out of everyone to come here because she likes her family. But Pete is and not her whole family like meets her. that. He, like, I get that. I get it that. It's, it's just it, a weird vibe for a very first date. Probably very meeting weird. Meeting people's parents and stuff like that. I don't think it's necessarily it a weird. bad move. Those two made it work. I think that's a move you do maybe three weeks in. Yeah. With someone that you I know don't. a little more, not someone you're getting to know while you're watching your parents be in love. Because then yes. it's like, oh my god, he loves his parents. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, Pilot Pete probably does, and He's, so does I mean, everyone else. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. like, yeah, that's all I got out of that. I want a more meaningful, that to mean more than, like... I I, I, oh I know god. what you mean. I think, I think it worked. I think it could have gone that way with other people. Like, say our, our guy Dylan was the uh, Bachelor. Uh, I feel like it would be awkward like that. God, Pete Dylan's makes it work. And I think Madison was the right girl for that date because she we, was perfectly comfortable. With we team. have to back Madison on the show, right? Because she 100%. played at Auburn and her dad's the Auburn coach. She's, I, she's, I think we have to back her. Th- I mean, yeah, definitely. I think Senior Quotes is officially she a backing four-time Madison. four-time state champ in basketball or something? Yeah. She's crazy. So, yeah. All right. Senior Quotes is locking in Madison. That's our Come on the show, pick. Madison. Yeah. yeah, please. Or maybe after the show is all uh, – <laughs> 
worked out. <laughs> Maybe you can come on. Yeah. But otherwise, on that note, we are done for today. Good to be back. Great to, so be back. to be back. So happy to be back. This episode going live soon. Hopefully, we can get it up tonight. Otherwise, you'll see it tomorrow morning. Yeah, one uh, extra yeah. shout out Anchor FM, um, who we may or may not have put an ad into this episode yet. We don't know. But they are awesome. We are now on pretty much every streaming service, not just Apple Podcasts anymore. So, for your friends that so only tell your kids, have Spotify, tell your wives. They can listen to us. They now. can listen everywhere. Spotify, so, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. There's a ton of other ones. That in I've the never shower, heard of. in the car, yeah. wherever you want. Go wherever. Listen to us and catch up on these episodes because we're going to have them coming week by week now. Oh, and new guests coming soon. We're working on some stuff. So just get ready. It's, it's a gonna brand be a new 2020. Year. It's going to be a big year. That's right. All right. Thank you guys so much and see you next week. Bye, guys. Reaching out Don't you